I hear you saying often that you're not turned on to politics. Well, let me bring to bear the lessons of history. If you're not turned on to politics, the lesson of history is that politics will turn on. So, let's start the countdown. Those who are excessively greedy and excessively powerful must, must give up their privileges. They must give up some of their power. Big business has been colliding with American democracy. American democracy. collectively, with any kind of articulation, we have to first understand what a democracy is. And the different democracies that exist, relatively all of them, are representative, parliamentary, liberal, direct, participatory, socialist, anarchist, Iroquois, partition, consensus, supranational, cosmopolitan, and then non-governmental. And America tends to fall into representative and liberal democracy, and then considering who votes, why they vote, why they don't vote, how the votes are counted, if some people should vote, how money influences the process, and finally, the media. Voting, the media, they also tend to fall into the world of dualism and linear thinking. Part of the goal of the show is to get to the truth of things, not fall into these ways of looking at the world as one way or the other. 
And so I hope that we can we can reach that goal in this reporting together, where we uh, just have a better grasp of voting and democracy and how they work together. I know what a democracy is supposed to be. The definition of democracy as a political system of competition for power, the means for the people to choose their leaders and to hold their leaders accountable for the policies and their conduct in office. I love the idea of democracy, but we run a democratic republic system. In other words, we democratically pick the people who are going to govern. I would say I would define American democracy as broken. I think that it's broken in the sense that it's not representative of the people. I think it's broken in the sense that we have a two-party system that is completely corporate-controlled, and the idea of having a third-party, a real third-party candidate, um, actually be on the debates would be a good start. The thing that that always surprises me is the not necessarily whether or not we're defining it democracy correctly, but that there so much fraud in the election system that we have dead people voting and so I look at something like that and I say well that's where we can make a difference right now because you know the two party system really is what everything's still based on whether that's good or not but maybe there are different ways we can affect the way government works. There are smaller things that we can do as individuals to to try to make the system better of the third-party candidates, that's what they're trying to do to get the word out. Of course, it's already past that time for right now, but uh, it's going to come back around, and that's where we'll have another chance, and we'll just keep trying. Democracy is a system by which people have some amount of control over the processes and policies in government that affect their lives, so that they have some kind of representation. Canada falls into representative and... Uh, parliamentary, maybe with a little bit of consensus thrown in there, but this is my say on Canada's democracy based on my American condition, really, and I try to educate myself and have objective viewpoints so that I'm not looking at the world subjectively, but Celine, tell us what you think democracy really is, and then specifically with your country. I think my concept of democracy is that every person has a vote, and every vote counts, the democracy of the United States in principle is that you guys each vote directly for your president. In Canada, because it is a representative democracy, and it is a constitutional monarchy, so don't forget that portion of our, our parliamentary system is, is based on the parliamentary system of England. Because our system is different, we have more parties than you do. We have the Conservative Party, which has currently got a minority government in power, which is actually to the advantage of the Canadian people. Uh, we have the Liberal Party, and then we also have NDP, which is the New Democratic Party. And the NDP is the party that's responsible for implementing a universal health care in Canada. It started off in Saskatchewan and uh, kind of blossomed from there through Tommy Douglas, who was really a freedom fighter. If you ever have a chance to see the documentary Prairie Giant, uh, the Tommy Douglas story, it's really amazing because I think Tommy Douglas is much the core of what every politician should be. He started off as a minister. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are they who are persecuted. But you know, that isn't the world that we live in, is it? No. No, in this world, it's blessed are the strong. Blessed are the educated. Blessed are the powerful, the poor and the meek aren't blessed at all. And people who call themselves good Christians stand by and tolerate it. People who are not suffering in any way have the audacity to call the poor lazy and the meek cowardly as if it weren't their responsibility to help. It is all of our responsibilities to help. Too many of us utter that same prayer each night, utter that same prayer. God bless me and my wife, my son John and his wife, us four, no more. Amen. We have to start putting into practice the idea that we ought to bear each other's burdens, the idea which St. Paul put forth when he said, Ye that are strong ought to help bear the burdens of the weak. We have to do more. We saw how people were being mistreated by the banking system and by government uh, officials who were corrupt. Goddamn government's out of control. Watch your language, Charlie. Nah, we got bastards in charge of us these days, Tommy. Charlie. Well, there's no other word for it, is there? You know I'm working for the new Farmer Labor Party we started up, right? Yes, Charlie. What do you say to being our candidate? Hmm? Well, I'll have to get the approval from the deacons. Secretary Balsam. Thought I'd drop in for one of your sermons. I hear wonderful things about them. Unfortunately, I hear other things that aren't quite so wonderful. You're involving yourself in politics? I find it unavoidable. Given the circumstances in this district, I'm afraid. They heard you took a group of folks down after the riot. There, there was no riot. There was cold-blooded murder. Everyone knows there were communists in that union. Do you have any idea what kind of wage slavery that these miners were living under? I, uh... Are you or are you not intending to run for a farmer labor candidate in the next federal election? I have been approached to do so, yes. You must understand that the Baptist Church cannot have its clergy running for public office and ministering to a congregation at the same time. It's simply not acceptable. There is no place in this church for godless politics. I'm just quitting. Or I've been fired, depends on how you look at it. We have a special guest with us this week, Secretary Balsam from the National Council. Now, Secretary Balsam was just reminding me that it is inappropriate for a minister of the Lord to speak of politics from the pulpit. Well, personally, I disagree, but I do respect that that is the policy of my church. Therefore, I regretfully resign as your pastor. What Secretary Balsam would like me to do is talk about sin and not talk about things going on in the outside world. But I fail to see how that is possible. Innocent men were just gunned down by their own police force. And we, to somehow believe that there is no sin involved? We can't do anything about the nature of a sin, but there are some things that we can change. Jesus said, love thy God and love thy neighbor. On these two commandments hang all of the law. Well, 90% of my congregation is on the relief. 
And the law doesn't say a thing about it. So I think it's about time we change the laws around here. I have therefore decided to run for political office in the upcoming election. I hope I can earn your vote. Thank you. I really wish just to talk to you today very simply about my record, how I voted continually to protect the farm. So burdened with death. Something before he goes on a little further. You do know they keep a record of what you say in Parliament. It's called Hansard. I'm aware of what Hansard is, Mr. Well, Douglas. Then it ought to occur to you that anyone who reads it is going to know you're lying through your teeth. Oh, oh, this is outrageous. We have rules of debate here. On sir. the floor of Parliament, Mr. Young said, and I quote, the present standard of living is higher than we are going to be able to maintain. We will have to settle down to a lower standard. Now, that is exactly the opposite of what he just said to us right now. That's outrageous. I have never said such things. Oh, you're going to have to be careful about these lies, Mr. Young. It's right here, right in black and white, right here. Have a look for yourselves, people. Hand them up, fellas. Hand out the books. Right there, page 25. February 9th, 1933. After five years of steady recession, Canadians finally have something to be optimistic about. In Ottawa, there's a new government promising better times ahead. Mackenzie King's Liberal Party has returned to power with a majority government. In the Saskatchewan provincial election, the CCF and so really the Todd Douglas story, I think, epitomizes what we're actually talking about right now. And by watching that film, it reminded me very much that we all have the possibility of creating change one person at a time by fighting for what we truly believe in. I think that the problems that lie in democracy in Canada, the first one is that it's not necessarily a real direct representation and it's not a direct election for the prime minister. Even though everybody is allowed to campaign, there are those who have all these large backings by different corporations and, and by the media on who the general public actually sees for running for office and what arguments. And a lot of people, when you ask them, and if they're willing to tell you, what is your political affiliation, you're going to hear Republican or Democrat. And you're not going to hear about, you know, the Green Party and every other party that's out there that's running. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, just that our government has found a way to ensure that our public thinks there are only two people running for office uh, as far as the presidency, and they have the media attention, and that automatically will color our opinion, who we actually vote for. And that meaning that we don't have a democracy, the whole thing is rigged. They give us something and they create a competition for which we can vie for somebody, one or the other. I don't think Republicans and the Democrats are hugely different because both are on puppet strings, owned by GE, owned by a whole lot of other people, and they seem to be the ones that get more and more control. The people who don't even care about the political system of corporate-run government, there's the idea of party running where everyone's just voting for their own party because that's what they want. And it doesn't seem democratic to me. It seems 
almost like it's just a, a group of kids on the corner and they're only going for the kids who live in their neighborhood. And we started out with an idea that everyone's voice counted for something, even if it didn't win. And I think I talked with um, Isaac the other day in which we talked about Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader. I voted for him. I think the guy's great. I wanted him so bad. And I voted for him, and someone told me, well, don't you know your vote for Ralph Nader is just really a vote for, you know, fill in the blank. And I said, no, my vote, my vote, my vote for him, for him, counted, counted as a vote, as a vote for him, for him. And if he doesn't win, that's fine. But at least I know I made the right choice, and the rest of you guys voted in the loser that loser that leads us down, leads us down, down, down four years, four years, crap, four years, crap, 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 crap. We are, in fact, their employers. And the Democratic and Republican candidates who seek our employment as our next president are both on record as participants in devolving our Constitution. The clear and responsible mind recognizes significant leaders of change and voices of a diverse nation. They've always been with us. There's no one in this room who is without a friend or loved one or perhaps some of you yourselves, whose very life was preserved by the change advocacy of Ralph Nader. That's a claim that neither major candidate and very few other men or women of our century can make. We need that voice in education. We need it in an environment, economy, poverty, health care, nuclear energy, foreign policy, immigration, volunteerism, human rights, and a world of veterans issues that are coming our way. Judge it as you will, the necessary of Ralph Nader, in fact, is obligated to make a run for the presidency. It is the American thing to do. If it doesn't suit your taste, or if it creates an inconvenience for you, there may be a time where other productive options are on the table. So no matter who your presidential pick is, for America, let's demand to hear the challenge of Ralph Nader. Let's demand to hear all the voices for change that represent the needs of all Americans. We must demand it in our media. We must demand it of John McCain. We must demand it of Barack Obama. I'm sick of this high school with suits on called the Democratic and Republican Parties. <laughs> the defining moment, really, is that whoever you vote for, you better hold his ass to the fire. Putting on pressure, district by district, media outlet by media outlet, that as it is our job, it is theirs to serve this country's great constitution. The next time somebody says the words, how dare Ralph Nader run, you ask them what they did for their what country they, today. Their country country today. Mr. Nader, you've uh, spoken very, very eloquently tonight about family values and the need for all of us to work together to make the country better. You've spoken even more eloquently about the criminal war that's now taking place in Iraq that was fomented and arranged by a criminal element, uh, Bush and Cheney. Why do you feel 3,100 lives is worth you pushing 
your version of, of where we're going. Because Gore won the election, it was stolen from from Tallahassee. That's, to that doesn't fly. Wait, 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 just a minute. That doesn't fly. Let's see what else. Just a moment, just a moment. Let's see what else flies. If you don't think stealing an election in a series of events before, during, and after the, the collection day in 2000 is sufficient, let's see what else flies. A quarter of a million Democrats in Florida voted for Bush. Five minority party candidates had far more votes that would have gone to Bush than the difference between Bush and Gore before the Supreme Court of Florida was prevented from a whole state recount. He didn't win his home state of Tennessee, which usually presidential candidates do. That would have won the election. He didn't win his home state of Arkansas. That would have won the election. And I can give you a dozen other what-ifs. And it's interesting that you just pick on the Green Party what-if. And why do you think I'm a second-class citizen? Would you think the anti-slavery party was second class? Would you think that people shouldn't have voted for the women's right to vote party or the worker party and the farmer progressive party in the 19th century? because that is the First Amendment right of our Constitution. You can argue with me, but to tell me I shouldn't have run is to tell me I shouldn't have spoken, I shouldn't have petitioned, I shouldn't have assembled. That is unacceptable. The idea of having this democratic system is awesome. It's powerful, and voting is so important. But unfortunately... When someone lays out five choices for you, you truly don't get the freedom of choice. You get the freedom of options. And right now, our democratic system is that we have multinational organizations and big money getting and funding and backing options. So we have these options to pick from, and some might be better than others, but they still have someone's strings tied to their mouths, their hands, to their policies. And that's sort of where I stand on our democracy. The idea of having a third party, a real third party candidate, um, actually be on the debates would be a good start, uh, since we can't even get, you know, uh, a Ralph Nader to participate in the debates because corporations have convinced everybody that there really are only two ways to look at it. I think that democracy is a big lie, to be honest with you.
when you get the media involved and all the airtime only reflects the opinion and the agenda of the corporations that are backing the candidates, it doesn't really give a chance for the voice of the people to be heard. And what's sadder is that you know the media has convinced people that this is the way in which they actually do think. The media plays to the fact that there's a lot of polarization when, in fact, if you go out and talk to the majority of the people, it doesn't really exist. Wholly uneducated folks really cling to this two-party idea. Increasingly, what we're finding is Americans are pissed off and disillusioned with the entire system um, because it is broken uh, and because it is under corporate control. And every day, that becomes more and more glaring. How do you break that? How do you get out of it? I don't really see any any end to it. I know that's sad, but you know, it's increasingly I just I try and find happiness without it because it's never going to be the voice uh, of me and the voice of most of the people that I know because. We don't really, we don't really care, about, care, about care about profit, 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 profit. The CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, was established, I think it was mid-80s. They basically began to draw the rules of, in such a way that it would prohibit third parties from ever having a televised voice. And the reason a televised voice is so important in our country is because everyone looks to the television as, as their, their source of reality, what's going on out there. If you're not on TV, you really don't exist. You can be marginalized, and the media will, will only exacerbate that because they're interested in sensationalism. Madrid says we're in a period now that's past the time for third parties. I, I would just offer that that's an uninformed, dismissive outlook that you only have if you're not paying attention. The third party people have always been the only source of change we've ever had. Let me ask you this. If you had lived in the early part of the 20th century and somebody had come to you and said, don't vote for Eugene Debs, the candidate that supports the right of women to vote, because you're throwing your vote away. He's only going to get 5 or 6% of the vote. You're throwing your vote away. What would you have done? Well, first off, all the women in the room, you wouldn't have been able to vote. So my question is for the men. What would you have done? And for the women, what would you have wanted them to do? What would you want them to do? You would want them to say, I'm sorry. This is an important enough issue now that needs to be dealt with now. It is not something where we're going to allow the major candidates in contention to talk about, well, maybe women, when they reach the age of 30, maybe if they, you know, all of this rubbish that we cannot even repeat today because it sounds so damn foolish. Fast forward to today. Here we are. What are we doing? We're fighting to get into debates. What's wrong with that? This is a democracy. So what does the other side tell you? They say, these guys are irrelevant. We don't debate them because they're irrelevant. Oh, is that right? You heard Governor Ventura say he got in debates and started to do great. When I ran for mayor of San Francisco, I started with 6% in the polls in 2003. They let me in the debates. I ended up with 47% of the vote. I didn't win the contest. But that is a hell of a difference. Imagine that. They don't want us in the debate because they don't want to debate our ideas. They want to marginalize us. They want you to believe 
that you're throwing your vote away if you're with us. I was over at the Excel Center and one of the conservative uh, radio uh, talk people that I don't know was saying to me, uh, don't know because I don't listen to them, saying to me, well, why do you think you should be allowed to debate Governor Palin and uh, Senator Biden? I said, well, first off, I was president of the Board of Supervisors of San Francisco. Okay, the budget of San Francisco is over $6 billion. The budget of Alaska is a little over $3 billion. The budget of Delaware is a little over $3 billion. Senator Biden got less votes when he got elected to the Senate than I did when I ran for, um, you know, mayor. Um, are you with me? Do you see how ridiculous this is? It's really incredible to listen to the uh, convention last week, the Democratic National Convention, and you know, the mantra that uh, I kept hearing over and over again was about how the Republicans had done this to us and Bush had done that to us and how we had to reverse these terrible crimes against us. But the part that was missing was an acknowledgement by the Democrats that they had been complicit in George Bush's agenda. It's... It's perplexing to me how you can say that you're not for the war in Iraq and yet you voted for every war appropriation. You say that you're for civil rights, but you vote for the Patriot Act. Then you vote for the Patriot Act reauthorization. Then you vote for the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance uh, Act amendment, right, which gives immunities to the telecom companies. I mean, at what point, when is there a breaking point when intelligent people that are trying to build a better society say, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not falling, I'm not falling for, this. for this. If you like women's rights, if you think that they deserve to be treated equally, then you have to thank third parties. Anything involving civil rights, you must thank third parties. They're the ones that push these real issues to the forefront so that the public actually demands it of the Democrats or the Republicans. And uh, what a... What a breath of democratic, fresh air it would be to not have to push so hard because those people were already the ones writing legislation and enacting policy. So it's not past time for third parties. The third parties have always been the hardest workers in our country. Black people can thank the third parties in this country for having the ability to be treated as human beings. Women can. People are non-ambulatory. You know, most of us can thank third parties for the civil rights that we have. And definitely being on those debates absolutely is make or break for our democracy. And the Democrats and Republicans are ensuring that we don't have that. So I quote from Gonzalez, what do these guys have to do to lose your vote? I, I always have to temper myself because I'm speaking with people right now who voted for Republicans and Democrats. And I don't want to turn you off and I don't want to let anger take over, but it's very frustrating when you see people who are otherwise intelligent still throw their vote away on someone that doesn't represent them, will never represent them, and yet they still cling to this artificial hope, as opposed to informing yourself on who actually is running on a platform of actual hope, is working towards hope, every day, the other 364 days of the year, like a Ralph Nader. You see the guys doing the good thing, fighting the good fight, 
And you have to ask, what do these guys, do these guys, have, guys have to do to lose your vote? Because everybody just seems to bend over and take it. It's frustrating when you see people that are actually trying to do what's right for everybody.